Thanks for joining us today at City Life. We believe today's message will empower you and point you towards Jesus. But remember that church is so much more than a message you listen to. It's a living, breathing community that we invite you to be a part of. We hope to see you on a Sunday morning at City Life, in person or online. How many have ever given a shot at old school darkroom photography? Darkroom development. Some of you did that in school. You know, I had a job for a while where that was part of my job. It wasn't making photographs where you're doing other kinds of film developing. And there's something about old school film development where it, it's kind of an interesting thing to think about that, you know, there's this piece of paper, there's nothing there, and then suddenly there's something there. If you've ever seen that, some of you are like, all I know is I take a picture with my phone and I can see it, you know. <laughs> You know, there was a time where you had to send your photos away from the film that was in your camera. You had to take it out of the camera, then you had to put a little plastic container, and then you had to send it somewhere, and you had to wait, and then they came back on paper. And it was just like, it's magic. How does that happen? And I remember thinking as a kid, it's pretty cool, you know, but when you learn, there's a process to it. In film development, there is an image on the paper, but you can't see it until it's developed. And I think this whole, this example of developing film, I think it's a great way to think about spiritual practices, which is what the series is on. Selah, rhythms for a life that thrives. We're talking about spiritual practices in this, in this series. But see, this is how it works. We've been given an amazing gift through Jesus Christ, and it's called salvation. It means you get a brand new start. It means when you surrender, just like Melissa was talking about, when we are willing to surrender all of us to say, Jesus, the best I can do with my life is actually not much. It's nothing at all. I need you. I am hopelessly lost. I am a sinner, which means not just that you're a bad person, it means you're warped. It means no matter how hard we try, we can't live up to the true human being God created us to be. But Jesus, through his life and death, he offers us this gift of salvation, saying, I came, I lived, I died for you, I rose again, so you can have this new life. And when we receive this gift of salvation, something happens in us. We are transformed. We are made brand new. Now, anybody who's experienced that would also say, yeah, but I got, still got issues. <laughs> There's a lot of me that isn't really, really great yet. And this is where that new life, that new creation life of Jesus Christ, he lives in us. But that image, the true us, the real us that God created us to be, that image isn't formed yet. We can't see it. It needs to be developed. Everyone say developed. Online, developed. It needs to be developed in us. And this is where spiritual practices, they're a way that this life of Christ, the nature, God's character, his power, it's a way this God creates space for the Holy Spirit to do the work of transforming us or developing us into God's image. Everyone say, I need to be transformed. And that's, that's what we're going to look at in this series called Selah. We're going to look at different habits or rhythms, their spiritual practices that are daily. 
weekly. Some of them are seasonal, but they're intentional habits that we, we put into our schedule and into our life's routine to create that space for the Holy Spirit to do the work of changing us. See, we can't change ourselves no matter how hard you try. See, religion says if you work harder, if you do this better, if you try, 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 you're going to make yourself better. That never works. How many of you are experiencing that? Trying harder, and you try harder, it's like the ditch just gets deeper. <laughs> well, this developing work, this transformation work, this is a work that only God can do in us. And, you know, Paul talked about spiritual practices several places. He talked to his, his protege, Timothy, in 1 Timothy 4. He said, train yourself in godliness. Can you say that? Say, train yourself. Say, I got to train myself. I got to train myself in godliness. He said in Philippians 4.9, he said, whatever you've learned, heard, seen, and received from me, practice it. Everyone say Practice. Practice. Yes, you need to repeat. This is, I'm actually showing you how spiritual practices work. This is one of the ones. It's called confession. Some of you think confession is the little booth you get in, the priest is on one side, you shut the door, he opens a screen, you talk to him and you start confessing all the bad stuff you did, or if you're a kid, you make up stuff. Because you have to go to confession when you go to Catholic school. Hello. That's not what it's talking about. That's only a small part of confession. Confession isn't just confessing the bad stuff. Confession is the good stuff. We gotta confess the good stuff if we wanna change. I'm So he said, what you learn, say, I gotta put it into practice. I gotta put it into practice. We're gonna try this again. I gotta put it into practice. Gotta put it in practice. Even Jesus talked about spiritual practices. The Great Commission, some of you are familiar with that term from church, from Bible school or Sunday school. Matthew 28, 19 and 20, after he rose from the dead, he met his disciples and he gave them final instructions before he ascended to the Father. And he said, all, all power, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Now you go make disciples. What does that mean? Well, it means this. Form them in the practices and postures that I've taught you. Isn't that cool? That's what it means to make disciples. We are all called to make disciples. Not just pastors, not just spiritual people. You person who on the way to church had a fight with the other person in the car or you flipped off the person beside you because they cut you off. We're all called to make disciples. Form them in the practices and the postures that I've taught you and show them how to follow the commands I've laid down for you. And I will be with you day after day after day to the end of the age. Spiritual practices, one more time, say with me. Spiritual practices, we're gonna practice. We're gonna practice. There's a lot we're gonna practice over the next couple weeks. But today we're gonna talk about worship. Oh my gosh, there is so much on this subject. It's overwhelming. So let me just preface this message with this. Everything we're going to talk about today, this isn't just the tip of the iceberg. This is like the speck of the iceberg you see from miles, miles away. It's so small compared to what worship actually is about. And you know, I can't think of a better practice to start this year out with than worship. 
What does it actually mean to worship God? What does it actually mean to worship the God of the universe, the creator, the God that made you? And see, before we jump into what worship is, we need, we need to have a right understanding of what worship is. Because even as I'm talking about it, some of you are like, I don't do the singing stuff. That's why you show up 15 minutes late every Sunday. <laughs> Let's call it like I see it. <laughs> I don't sing. I can't sing. You're embarrassed when you sing. My mom, God love my mom. She is not, she is with Jesus right now, and she is singing every day at the top of her lungs. But we used to laugh because she could not hold a tune, and she knew it, but she was the loudest singer in church on the front row, and she kind of did sign language, and I'm just like, oh, mother. <laughs> but she sang even though she couldn't sing. But, you know, some of you here are like, I don't do the singing stuff. I don't have time for that. I don't have, you know, this isn't my thing. Well, let me just start by telling, let's talk about what worship is not. Worship is not singing. Worship is not the slow songs. Worship isn't reflection. Worship isn't a tingly feeling. Worship isn't even God's presence. Worship it literally means worth-ship. Why don't you say that? Worth-ship. Worth-ship. No, you're not lifting. It's worth-ship. That's where that word comes from. Now, there's a lot more in Scripture that we're going to unpack, but that word worth-ship. Worship is about giving something or someone the greatest value because of who they are. It's ascribing the highest respect and honor. It's about adoration. It's about devotion to something. It's a posture or an attitude of our heart, not just something we do. And see, our lives, we've been created by God that our lives are designed to flourish when God holds that place of ultimate worth, the highest place of worth in our lives, where he's the one. That is the one that holds the greatest honor in our lives where we worship and we adore him with everything that we've got. Now, again, I'm not talking about singing all day. We're going to unpack. If, if, worship, if worship is part of who we are, how do we do this more than 15 minutes on a Sunday? But see, our lives were designed to flourish. Your life was made to flourish when God had that place of the highest place in your life. And see, whenever something or someone else starts moving in to sit on what's called the throne of your heart, that's when life starts to break down. This is when families start to break down. You know what? Family can sit on the throne of your heart and it can become an idol. Your marriage can become an idol. Parents, your kids can become an idol. There's a lot of things that can take that place, but our lives were designed to flourish when God is holding that place of the highest worth in our lives. And see, worship is actually part of your purpose and calling as a human being. If you want to, if you're struggling to figure out, I don't know what I'm here for, I don't know what my purpose in life is, you were made to be a worshiper. Let's look at Genesis 1 and Genesis 2. Genesis 1, 27. God created man in his own image. He created him in the image of God. He created them male and female. We're just going to sit on that one for a moment. Male 
female, certain body parts. He created them in his image, the image of God. He created them male and female. God blessed them and God said to them, be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth and subdue it. And then we're going to jump over a few verses to where this picks up in Genesis 2.15. God took the man and placed him in the Garden of Eden to work it. Everyone say work it. To work it and watch over it. These verses are describing God's purpose, God's plan, God's calling on us as human beings. We're made in the image of God. And now you might be thinking, I don't see anything about worship in those verses. I will show you. That word work. It's a Hebrew word, avad. And it means worship or work. It means both of those words at the same time. Rabbis will tell you that a more accurate translation of these verses is God took the man and placed him in the Garden of Eden to worship and obey. Isn't that beautiful? Work and worship. See, we were created to be God's image bearers, God's representatives, or God's reflection into creation. We were created, how the Bible describes it, as priests in God's temple called creation. That's the whole reason for the creation story the way it is. We're not going to unpack all that. But you were made to be a priest. Say, I am a priest. I am a priest. That doesn't mean you work for the church. It means you are a human being. If you are a human, you're called to be a priest. We're called to be God's reflection into creation. And how this originally worked, it meant that as human beings in God's creation, we would turn to God in our love, in our adoration, in our awe, in our devotion. And we would worship him. And God would look back on us. He would smile and we would reflect. You can think of yourself like a mirror. As we're worshiping God, we would then, God would reflect back through us. Through our words, through our lives, through everything that we would do, we would reflect back into creation God's beauty, God's power, God's wisdom, God's creativity. That is the full expression of worship. It was this God and human thing together. We worship God, and God's reflection comes back through us and creation flourishes. Humans flourish. Relationships flourish. The world flourishes. We unpack the potential in our world. Work and worship were originally intricately connected. Except the fall where humanity chose knowledge over knowing God, over God himself. The fall warped that connection. And now instead of worship and work being this interchange between God and humanity, we now worship work. Not just your job, but any type of work. The works of our mind, ideas, beliefs, opinions. Anything we create or build, whether it's your family, a marriage, a business, Works of science, works of literature, works of art, all forms of entertainment, works of sports, making our bodies strong and fast and agile. Now, none of those things are wrong, 
But in any, some way, shape, or form, we have all worshipped those things in some way or other. We worship our work. But the good news is, this is where it gets done, because Jesus came and he redeemed and he restored back to humanity our capacity to worship. This is good news. Yes, yes it is. I'm telling you, it is good news. The good news is because Jesus, everything he did, the way he lived on earth, everything he accomplished wasn't just to set an example, here's what you do, now try to do it. No, he did it for us on our behalf. And as he was doing it, when we put our trust in him, we, be a we are able then to take on what he has accomplished for us. So, for example, Jesus fought and won the worship battle in the desert. Matthew 4, 8 to 11. Look at this. This is one of the three temptations he faced in the desert. The devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. He said to him, I'll give you all of these things if you will fall down and worship me. And Jesus said to him, go away, Satan, for it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve only him. Then the devil left him and angels came and began to serve him. How powerful is that? See, when Jesus won that temptation, he won it to override where humanity lost it in the garden. Humanity chose, when we took the fruit, when we chose to disobey God, what we did is we chose to worship something created over God. But what Jesus did here was saying, I am fixing this. Because people, you never can do this right. I'm doing this for you. I'm doing this as a human being. I am fighting and winning the battle. Humanity, you're now able to worship God with sincerity. You're now able to worship God with your whole heart. You are going to be able to do something you could not before do. Here's something else about worship. You know the longest recorded conversation we have of Jesus, the topic was worship? It was with a woman by a well. We weren't going to read the whole conversation, but he said, an hour is coming and is now here where true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. Yes, the Father wants such people to worship him. And I love that. The hour is coming and is now here. In other words, what was Jesus saying? He was saying, there's something brand new that I'm starting there's something brand new that I'm making possible. I'm making possible for humanity as you lean into, as you trust me, as you put your faith in me. I'm going to enable you to be able to worship the Father in spirit and in truth. Now, what in the world does that mean? Well, spirit is talking about the very depths of who we are, the unseen parts of us. And the truth part, that's worshiping God how he is supposed to be worshipped, not how we think he should be worshipped. It's worshiping God in truth. Are you tracking with me? Yes? Yes? No? Yes, you're tracking. Okay, good. We're just making sure. So, how do we actually do this? Well, we're going to get practical. Here's where we go. Some of you that are like, can we get on to the practical stuff? What do we need to do? Paul, Mr. Practical. This is what he talked about worship, Romans 12:1. Therefore, brothers and sisters, in view of the mercies of God, I urge you to present your bodies. Everyone say, present my body. 
let's practice this. Let's just hold out your hands for the sake of just movement. I present my body as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is my true worship. There you go. See, you already did something because your body moved. All right. What does it mean? What is true worship involved? Well, we know what worship is. And well, what is true worship involved? True worship involves four things. And the first one is number one. True worship is focused. I love the part where it says present your bodies. That word present, it's an intentional word. It means to devote. It means to get ready. It means to prepare. So when it comes to worship... Worship isn't just something like we mindlessly do in the background while we're doing something else. We're just mindlessly singing. We're, you know, it's like, no, I am intentionally preparing me to worship God. So practical. Think about how you get ready for a date in your dating days. You know, maybe this wore off a little bit, even, you know, as you still date when you're married, and some of you are just like, sweatsuits is good enough, let's go, sweatpants. Why did I say sweatsuits? That is really so stupid, and I almost said the R word, but I didn't say. <laughs> it's so dumb, but when you got ready for a date, what did you do? Hopefully you brushed your teeth at least, please say Yes. You put on some pretty decent clothes, some that showed off the nice features about you, the not-so-nice features you tried to cover them. You maybe put on some perfume or cologne. You got ready for the date. Why? Because you were hoping for an up-close and personal encounter. Come on, you were. Yes? And you can say, oh, no, I just do it for myself. You're lying. I've only got five minutes. I better go quick. Okay, you're getting ready for a date. Spiritual practice. Let's make this practical. How do we practice worship? How can you practice worship? Get ready. Come to church ready. Come rested. Come prepared. Come prepared to give, not get. Receiving is a byproduct of worship. If you come wanting to get a good feeling... Wanting to get your favorite song at the right moment. Wanting to get peace. Wanting to get joy. If you come wanting to get something, that is not worship. It is a transaction. There's nothing wrong, but it's not worship. What we receive from God is a byproduct. But I don't worship and sing and adore God because I'm hoping he's going to make me feel better. That is a byproduct. You might experience that, or you might not. And if you don't, God is still worthy of our worship. He's still worthy of our best. And see, if we find ourselves not getting anything out of church, I'd like to submit that maybe it's because we're coming, trying to get something from something we're supposed to be giving to. And I want to encourage you. Church, could we be a worshiping church in 2023? Could we all come together and worship? When we gather on Sunday morning, we've come. We've come prepared. And you know, you come with a heart that's that's honest. It's saying, God, I don't feel like it, but I know there's a part of me that wants to. Would you help me this morning? We come prepared with an honest heart. 
And you know, here's another way that you can turn. Let's, let's give this a practical thing because if we're supposed to be worshiping with our lives, you're not going to be here 24-7 with the band playing. Doesn't even need me, and you don't have to have music on 24-7. A way that we can transform our everyday work into worship is by simply preparing ourselves, sometimes just mentally, to turn our work into worship. You're preparing supper for your family. I do this all the time. I don't know how it works, but I know that there's something that changes in me as I'm doing it. You can ask my family. I hated making supper. Oh, this is my high love. I was a horrible mom. It was terrible. I didn't start cooking until like three years ago. I am not joking. They will attest to you. It is the truth. But, you know, there are times where I just like, God, you said I can worship with my everything. And so, God, I'm cutting carrots. I'm cutting chicken breasts. I'm preparing this. God, I'm doing this as an act of worship to honor you. I don't know how this works, but some way as I'm cutting, as I'm preparing, God, let this meal be infused with your love. Let this meal bring glory and honor to you. As you're getting ready, before you're going on the way to work, instead of just listening to the radio, turn that flipping thing off. And just, God, I just, I don't know what's going on today, but, God, I am preparing myself. Let this day, let my work. Work. Let me do it as I'm doing the ledgers, as I'm making the phone calls, students, as you're sitting in science class, as you're walking to school, as you're trying to, you know, just make it through the day. God, let this, my life today, be somehow be an act of worship that honors you. Would you help me honor you? That's how you turn your work into worship. Making the books balance and closing the deal can be one of the greatest acts of worship you do during your whole day. If you do it with the attitude of, God, I'm doing this to honor you. Be glorified in this some way. You don't have to understand how it all works. Number two, the second thing involved in worship. Worship is sacrifice. All worship, all true worship involves sacrifice. There is a cost to it. Again, receiving is the byproduct. What's important in worship is not that I feel good or even that I feel something What's important in worship is that God is pleased. And you know, a way that we can do this is a living sacrifice is what it it's talked about. It's simply setting aside time both corporately and personally for worship. What is that going to look like for you? It's going to be different for each of us. You know, sacrifice, here's a spiritual practice. For some of you that have never raised your hands in worship before, this can be the way that you practice worship this year. I'm lifting my hands. This is the weirdest thing, and I feel so stupid, and everybody's looking at me. Just close your eyes, and nobody can see you. <laughs> I promise you. But I'm lifting my hands. You know what that is? It's an act of surrender. And yes, you will feel stupid the first few times you do it. But after you practice it, it will be the most liberating thing you do. Singing when you don't feel like it's a sacrifice. Clapping your hands, being enthusiastic. Man, if you clap your hands at any hockey game or sports game, Jesus deserves more. A sacrifice can be about bringing our praise and our pain. It's not just the good feelings we bring to God. It's our pain. Bringing our disappointment, our anger, our frustration, our hurt. And saying, God, I am offering this to you 
as a way to declare this disappointment, this fear is not greater than you. This diagnosis is not greater than you. This disappointment is not greater than you. It's not going to preoccupy my thoughts. It's not going to overtake my desires. It's not going to overtake my confidence. But God, you are the highest place. That's how we worship God with a sacrifice. And we don't feel like it. The spiritual practice for work worship and sacrifice might be no complaining. Zip the lips. Sacrifice what you want to say and think in your opinion. Just keep it shut. That is a sacrifice, says the business owner. Yes, it is. Every business owner will say, yes, thank you, God, for employees that don't talk back and negative talk. I'm serious. This is a sacrifice. Sacrifice as an act of worship in your work might be Letting someone else take the credit or letting someone else take the better opportunities or the better clients. That's a sacrifice. And if you do that just so you look good, that's not worship. But if you do it as a way, God, I'm going to honor you in this. It's worship. And God is so pleased. Number three, two more, and we're going to, we're going to worship together. True worship involves reverence. You know, Paul talked about presenting your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. You know, in another book, in the book of Hebrews, it says something similar. It says, let us please God by worshiping him with holy fear and awe, for our God is a consuming fire. There is a reverence that we're to bring when we come into God's presence. We're loud, we're joyful, we're happy, but there is a reverence. And see, if you think of a bonfire, you're not like, oh, I'm scared of the bonfire. I hope you're not. I hope you're not. But there's a reverence. It's just like, okay, be careful. It's wonderful. You can, oh, I can warm up. But there's a reverence to it. And, you know, we can practice this reverence in our worship. A way to do that is simply by being silent in God's presence and listening. Or reverencing, honoring Him by giving Him the first 15 minutes of your day before you pick up the phone, before you turn on the news, before you listen to anything else. God, you've got my attention. Parents, you know, one of the greatest things that we can do, and we are good with our kids and teaching them excitement, enthusiasm, but parents, I want to encourage you, teach your kids to reverence the presence of God. Teach your kids that there's this reverence we bring to God. There's times for yay and celebration, but there's times for quiet. And this last one, number five, four, Mike, he already talked about it in prayer, but number four, true worship involves trust. Because worship is an act of faith. It's believing that all of these, my response and what I'm doing as an attempt or what I'm doing in, in the hopes that God, this is worship. It takes faith. It takes trust to actually believe what I'm doing is actually pleasing God. That it's actually doing something. It's, it's honoring God. It's just, am I doing it right? Well, I don't know, maybe, but I'm going to keep trying. I'm going to keep trusting you, God, that this is doing something. This is transforming me, but most of all, it's pleasing you. It's an act of trust. And I want to read this, and why don't you stand? And as we 
let's just prepare our hearts and let's get ready because we are going to end the service in a few minutes of just worship and devotion and a time of real surrender. God, I am starting this year in the purpose I was created for, a worshiper to you. And see, Paul goes on to say in Romans 12 too, what is the result of us presenting our lives as a living sacrifice in our true worship to God? He goes on to say, don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you can know what is the good and perfect will of God. How do you know the will of God for your life? Well, you've got to start by worshiping Him. We start by worshiping who He is and allowing Him to work His purposes into our lives. Can we pray, church? Everyone close your eyes and I want to invite us to pray this prayer together and it's a simply a prayer of surrender. Man, I cannot think of a better way to start 2023 with a genuine surrender. God, I need a new start. How many of you would say, God, I need a new start with you? Whether it's a first time saying yes to Jesus or just a real reset in your life, can we just say this? Say, Jesus, I need you. I say yes to the gift of salvation. And I receive your new creation life. Come and change me, transform me, so that I can reflect you in every aspect of life. I receive your life now. I receive forgiveness. I receive a brand new start in your name. Amen. We hope today's message encouraged you. If you want to take your next step in saying yes to Jesus, you can always contact us at cty.lc slash next step or fill out the next step section on the City Life app. It's an honor to play a small part in what God is doing in your life. We look forward to connecting with you soon.